Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get the episode started. I have something exciting to tell you about. We have launched the Fat Guy Forum Patreon. That's right. You can now become a monthly supporter of the show for just a few dollars, less than a cup of coffee a month. You can support keeping these amazing dude stories coming to you. And there's even a bonus at one of the tiers that I think is going to be very exciting. I have some great ideas to come to as we develop this, but I wanted to get it launched and in your hands. So if you enjoy what you hear on this show and you want to help me to keep it coming to you, please go over to that link in the show notes, and that is patreon.com slash keto. Thank you so much, my friends, and on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and this is the first recording of 2021. So I'm excited to dive into the new year with all of you and with a guest that I am excited to finally have on the show. Uh, his name is Michael. You may know him, though, on Instagram as Fat Dad Keto, though. Michael, how's your day going? Uh, so far, so good. No, no major complaints. 2021 is off to a a cautious but okay start. I know, right? We're we're just a couple hours in, so we're you know, like you said, we're being cautious, but so far so good, man. So far so good. Yes. So I'm excited to have you here, man. We're gonna get right to it, and I start every episode with the same question, and I ask, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Um, I I I'm fat. Uh, <laughs> I I have been, and and even if I think uh, body weight and body image and body size is different, um, I, I you know it's weird to think of fat as an identity, um, but I do kind of identify mindset wise as a fat person. Um, I have been overweight or conscious of my weight or dealing with my weight um, for as long as I can remember. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, very early on in life, uh, I think like, so for so many of us, food is a treat and food is a reward. Uh, food is delicious. <laughs> uh, food is comforting. Food is consoling. Uh, and that was certainly the case for me. Um, actually very interestingly, I think maybe, uh, just over this kind of holiday season, I was looking back at some old family photos. Um, and you could really, uh, like visually chart kind of my weight gain. Uh, and I think for me, it started uh, in the early 90s. Um, I had a, so I was born in the early 80s. So around nine or 10 years old, um, I had a sibling who passed away after a illness with cancer. Uh, and I very much turned to food as comfort. Um, sweets and treats and a lot of uh, secret eating um, and a lot of opportunistic eating. Right. So as my parents and as my family were dealing um, with my sister's illness and then with her ultimate death, there was a lot of unsupervised time, which meant access. Right. Which meant opportunity of I can eat those extra cookies and no one will see and no one will tell me not to. And I could take my, you know, piggy bank money and buy those extra hostess and those extra Drake's cakes and things like that. Um, and and quite honestly, I think there is right? There, there is a comfort, there is an addictive quality to it. And so the more you have it, the more you want it. And whether it was the 
ad campaigns of the 90s or a little bit of like distracted parenting or I'm just looking for other people to blame, I jumped in with like full force, two fists, open mouth to to all of this, right? So friends at lunch not wanting to finish, like, oh, I'll finish that for you or I'll trade my this for your that. And it just like, there was never any sense for me at least of um, like uh, moderation. I suppose, or like balance. It was just like, oh, okay, there's no, like the word satiation. I, I, I don't, I like that word was not a word that I think I learned until well into adulthood. There was like hungry and there was actively eating and there was stuffed. Um, there wasn't this like stop when you don't want anymore. Um, there wasn't, it was just go and go and go until you can't. Um, and I think for me that continued from elementary school, certainly into through middle school, and then really into high school. Um, and high school was, I think, really pivotal for me for a few reasons. One, uh, it became, again, opportunity. Uh, I went to, I grew up in Staten Island. Um, I went to high school in Brooklyn. So I was like away, which again, meant less supervision and much more access. Um, and I think there was also um, like, this opportunity, not like to invent or reinvent yourself, but like I very much, I think became, I kind of bounced back between two, two personas in high school. One was like the funny fat guy and one was the angry fat guy. Um, but both were definitely the fat guy. Um, and it just kind of depended on my mood and my audience, so to speak of like, was it going to be like, was it going to be jolly and jovial fat guy? Or was it going to be the caustic and sarcastic and like really inappropriately aggressive fat guy. Um, and I do think both came from a place of, of, I mean, I don't want to call it like self-hatred, but I think it came a little bit from a pace, a place of like wanting to be protective of myself and not wanting to be like real with myself. Right. So I can just keep pushing this out there and I can make the joke and I could, I could laugh at your expense and I can laugh at my expense because as long as I keep doing those things, as long as I keep those plates spinning, I never have to stop and look at myself <laughs> for anything I'm doing, food-wise, relationship-wise, academic-wise. Like, I could just keep, like, like eating, right? There's no stop when you're, it's just go, 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 go until you can't. Um, and I think I did that with my aggression, honestly, and I think I did that with attempts at humor. And I certainly did that with food. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was just mentioning this to Aaron, uh, AD Keto the other day that like, I went, I remember going for my, my physical before 10th grade and I was, I was 203 pounds and fairly short. I think I was probably like five, I don't know, fairly short. I was like five, five, maybe five, seven. I don't know. Uh, and then going for my senior year, uh, like I was going to say weigh in my senior year physical. Um, and I was like 265 or 268 pounds. Uh, and that 60 pounds in two years, um, was startling to me to be like past 250, like closer to 300 than 200. Um, and just like, I remember that feeling of being in my pediatrician's office, like the same pediatrician, I had had since, I think since birth, like in that same 
like if anyone is like an 80s or a 90s kid, like like that quintessential pediatrician doctor's office with like the pictures on the wall and the broken Sesame Street toys in the bin under the desk and like being this fat bastard um, on this scale and being, it's just so embarrassed and and so angry, but not really enough of either to do anything about it except be angry and continue to be big and just kind of just keep going. And like being at that age, uh, at least for me growing up, like my mom and my dad, like they did a lot for us. So like my mom was still buying my clothes for me, even when I was a senior in high school and like the need to like, and I, but I would, I had already decided long before that, like, I'm not, I'm not going to actually go to a store ever and try on clothes because that is an embarrassing and humiliating prospect. Uh, like too many times in the Husky section, too many times of standing in a dressing room, like crying and needing bigger clothes and sending the salesperson. Like I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, and so my mom would often go to the store and buy like three different sizes of the same pair of pants and bring them home. And I would try them on and whichever ones feel like, like that kind of situation. And I, and I remember how embarrassing it was to like go back to my mom in this case and be like, Oh no, like we were no more 36s, like no more 38s. Um, we need 40s now. And that again, I, I think like weight in general, like pant sizing, like the, the arbitrary nature of these numbers, but like seeing the four on the waist size instead of the three on the waist size was awful. Uh, and I remember saying like, well, I will never be more than a 40 because I'm going to get to a back to that 38, which is already, you know, quote, too fat and then needing 40 and then needing 42s and being like, okay. Um, and so senior year of high school, uh, my dad and I actually uh, joined Weight Watchers together, um, which was my first like formal diet plan, I think. Um, and we did Weight Watchers at home because neither of us, which have to, again, I don't know what Weight Watchers current configuration or iteration is, but at the time it was very much like meetings every week and you go and you get weighed and you do and the thing, right? And this was like the Weight Watchers at home where they sent you this little calculator, uh, which I think was probably my first foray into understanding that like food had value <laughs> of like, you know, like, like I know now, like, you know, one gram of fat roughly translates to nine calories and like things like that. Um, and I think at the time I was like, oh, you could plug in the nutrition value from the back of a package and it'll tell you how many points that was. And then you could eat X points a day. And I remember my dad at the time being thrilled with this idea. Uh, Cause he would say things like Mikey, I could eat a banana split today if I want to, I won't be able to eat for the next 36 hours. <laughs> but if that's what, but if that's what I want to do, I could do it. And that was both like terrifying and exciting, right? Cause it's, it's exciting in the idea that like, look at all this control and power I can have, right? I can choose what I want to eat. I can have a slice of pizza. I can have a tuna salad sandwich. I could have a, I could do this, that, or the other thing. Um, but then also the, the fear of like, okay, but who's to stop me? I'll just eat three bags of jelly beans. I'll just eat a box of donuts. And yeah, it'll be however many points it is. But like, is that really? So like, it was, it was both for me. Um, lost a fair amount of weight on Weight Watchers, probably got down to around two, 
10, 208 or so. I don't really remember the exact number, but I remember it being pretty close to like that sophomore year physical. Um, was super excited about it, what felt good, all of a sudden got like a girlfriend and didn't have to be like the funny fat guy, could just be the funny guy, even though I still felt super fat. I mean, there was like no awareness that I had. I knew I lost weight because I was weighing myself. Um, but looking in the mirror uh, did not do anything in terms of like, oh, look at this thinner person. It was like, oh, look at this fat person who weighs less, which which is <laughs> which saying out loud right now feels so dumb. Like, how could that be? Um, well, I but think it's what. Yeah. No, I was going to say because I and I don't mean to cut, you know, I, I want to there's more to your story and we want to we want to hear it. But. I think there's a point in there that I think people need to understand because it'll probably resonate for people. Like, I think you're really right that when you, especially when you're growing up bigger like that, you, you start to develop that kind of awareness of yourself as, you know, the fat kid as the fat guy. And on some levels you start to lose awareness of your body. So when Mm -hmm. it changes, you're not aware of those changes. Like it still feels the same, like in your head, like it's still the body that needs the 42s, even if you don't need the 42s anymore. Like that's a, it's, it's like that adaptability of the, of the brain, like how our, how our minds adapt to all of that. It's cause it's like when you get people get that question of like, how, how did you, you know, how did you not freak out when you were 500 pounds? Like, how did you not every day wake up and kind of scream? And it's like, well, you, it's, I think the bigger you get, like the more, the less aware you become of what your body actually is and how it moves and all of that. Like you, we, we dull that. So I, I think that makes a lot, that makes more sense. Like, and so I get saying it out loud is weird, but I, I completely get it. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting here like nodding my head and I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, it makes complete sense. Like it's, there's, and, and I think that's also, you know, that, you know, not to tangent off into a bigger discussion. Like, I think that's, uh, has a big impact on people regaining weight because that lack of awareness makes you less aware of even the changes that you've made as much as you track kind of victories in the scale and non-scale victories and all that stuff. Like the actual physical awareness of your presence, not changing leads a lot into that. So I think it makes oh, sense. I, yeah. A hundred percent. And not, not to borrow a phrase and not to make it sound melodramatic, but it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that for many of us, we don't lose, you know, I, I used to joke again when I was much larger of like, well, I really want to lose 40 pounds by new year's. It's going to suck cutting my leg off at Christmas. And, and like, but we don't generally lose or gain weight dozens of pounds in a day. Right. Uh, and so I do think as you're losing weight or as you're gaining weight, it is that that like slow and steady nature, even for people. And I know there are many of us who do kind of swing widely with our with our weight up and down. There is this kind of you do not realize it every day. It's like when, you know, they say take a picture every day. And it's true, right? I mean, I have kids. I have a 14 year old and an 11 year old. And when we see grandma or when we see Uncle Jeff, like they, oh, my gosh, you've gotten so tall. Uh, but for me, I'm like, what do you mean? They're the same size? Cause I see them every single day. Um, and I think even in our own bodies that, that is, that is certainly, certainly true. Um, so, you know, so, so fine. So now we're like, right. So attention from, you know, uh, other people and like not attention for being fat, just attention for being a, like a person, um, which is kind of exciting. Uh, and I think th- what helped me actually see it were my yearbook photos, weirdly, 
because you take, at least in my high school, you took your yearbook photo in the beginning of the year in September. Uh, and then you graduate in the spring in June. Um, and I had lost this weight senior year, you know, and so my, my high school picture, my yearbook picture, I am, you know, 200, almost 270 pounds. Whereas when I graduated, I was probably closer to like 215 or so. Uh, and so that was very shocking for me because seeing that picture and then like looking at the mirror was like, oh, th these are two different people. That's, that's really interesting. Um, but still kind of felt and existed as an, an overweight fat person um, still like didn't trust myself around food. There's always like the feast or famine approach. There's always the like, when can I get more? So like going out with friends and like wanting to, sh like hating to share food, right? Because part of it is, well, I want food for me and I'm selfish and I don't want to share, but also like, okay, so if we get a platter of 12 wings and there's three of us, that should be four wings per person, but I don't want four wings. And then what if I have five and that person doesn't get their fourth? And like the mental gymnastics of always wanting more or feeling like I needed more, or if there's like one left and not eating it, like that I've lost something that like I've lost this opportunity, I've lost this chance at more. Um, and that has continued even now where I do think I have like generally a healthier relationship with food uh, or like body image and all these things still is a struggle for me. Um, free food especially, um, cause then it's like, it's a double right? It's, it's food, which is great. And it doesn't cost me anything, which is great. So like, you know, being at a work event or, or being at work. And, and I've noticed it a lot this year, uh, I work in a school. And so, uh, with the pandemic, like there's been a lot of, obviously, uh, it's been hard, I think for all of us. And so our bosses and our administration have been actually, I think, intentionally very thoughtful and trying to demonstrate appreciation or at least vocalizing appreciation. And so how do you, do that in a workplace very often with baked goods and with treats and with sweets and like walking past the, the break room or the faculty room or the office where the apple pies are or where the cookie platters are and not taking it has, you know, I, I don't want to say it's been a struggle, but like the idea that I'm like, like literally leaving it on the table is still difficult of like, well, how could you, why would you? Like, this is just, this is, this is bonus. This is bonus food. It's bonus sweets. It's bonus treats. Uh, and that's still something that that's hard for me. Um, college, like kind of just always kind of was either gaining or losing, right? And that I think from elementary school, even until now, there has been nothing, nothing has felt steady right? Nothing has, which I guess is good and bad. Like nothing has felt stagnant, um, but nothing has felt like this idea of maintenance or holding the line for me has really never been there. So I spent college probably bouncing around between, you know, as low as like 215, 220, as high as 280. And I was either on a diet or I was just ignoring the fact that I was supposed to be on a diet or should be on a diet. And, and that, you know, the word should just as an aside, like I, I hate the word should. Um, and I tell a lot of my, my students and my, my clients, I'm a, a counselor, psychologist and, you know, a student will come in and say, well, I should, I go, why should you, 
you know, and I always push back against that word because unless there's like a real reason of responsibility, I think should often brings unnecessary uh, weight for lack of a better word or unnecessary guilt or pressure. Um, and, and it's just, I mean, so that, but like, that's still been my existence of these are things I should or shouldn't be doing. Um, and then, you know, bounced around in that weight kind of throughout college. And then, um, oh gosh, I don't know. I, I got, I got married pretty shortly after my college graduation, um, by a whopping, uh, three days in mm. fact. And oh, so, wow. yeah, yeah. I graduated on the, on the third of June and then, and then I got married on the sixth. Um, and so that process was actually okay. I don't know how much I weighed at the time, but I was in probably like the mid, the mid two hundreds, I think for the majority of that, like early adulthood, like mid to late twenties. Um, I had a child pretty young, uh, young for me. My, my first son was born. I was about 24. Um, and then slowly, I would say once he was born slowly, but surely and steadily added weight. Um, you know, I was in grad school and then I was starting my career and I had a person, I had a wife, like I, I, I had a family and just slowly but surely started adding weight um, and never really paid any attention to it. And now, yes, I am the person buying my own clothes, but always found reasons for it to be okay that I needed a 38 and then a 40 again, and then a 42. And then I'm never going to be a 44. Oh, look, I'm now buying 46s. Uh, and like this, like the, the mental gymnastics of, of, of ignorance, honestly, and making other reasons besides you are not taking care of yourself in ways that are serving you. Uh, that led me to these things, right? Extra larges become double, extra larges become, oh, you know, this brand is just cut differently. So I'm probably, I'm probably really only an extra large, but I have to buy a double XL in this brand. Um, you know, but also being so embarrassed and aware of it that I would cut labels out of clothes. Um, you know, I still remember, and this started, I think probably when I was in, in middle school, Levi Strauss jeans, right? They put the weight and the, the length on that, that back, like leather patch. Um, and I remember sitting there with my Swiss army knife and the little scissors cutting, I, I, gosh, I haven't thought about this in, in years, but just cutting stitch by stitch by stitch to remove that patch and then being embarrassed because the denim is darker underneath <laughs> so like i can't like so it's like this like this like scarlet a right of like this this image that's being shown um yeah and i think you're right like there is no win and yet it's it still didn't change for me um and then gosh so now we're uh, kind of like fast forward jumping around but like there was always this this dissatisfaction i think with my size and my appearance and my weight and my health. Um, you know, like I, I was not active. I didn't play really any sports. I, I didn't do anything physically for myself. Any diet I tried and I tried many were majority of just like calorie in, cal calorie out. So things need to be low fat. Things need to be low calorie. Things you need to, you know, just eat less but I didn't have the tools and I didn't have the knowledge of what that meant. Um, and as now someone who has become almost like, um, I don't wanna use the word obsessive, but like, let's say hyper-focused on tangible and measurable goals, 
that phrase of like eat less is so meaningless to me now. Cause like, what does less mean? What does fewer mean? How are we, how are we operationalizing these definitions? But at the time, that's all I could kind of have was do less, eat less. So like a lot of salads that I was bringing to work of like just lettuce and low fat dressings and then rice cakes and like being so dissatisfied um, with that. And, and I don't mean dissatisfied, like it's not working. Cause like, yes, I would lose weight. Um, but dissatisfied because I didn't feel good. Diets felt punitive, right? They felt punitive because I was limited and I couldn't have that. And these foods are bad and these foods are wrong. Um, but also it felt punitive because like the diet itself was punishment for poor choices or poor decisions or poor, just poor me, right? That I am somehow bad and I am somehow flawed. And that is why I need this, right? Good people don't need diets. Healthy people don't need diets, but I need these diets because I am not good and I am not healthy. Um, and so that kind of continued <laughs> on and on. And, and then approaching 2013, 2014, um, I had noticed again, you know, the power of visual imagery at work. Um, you know, I work in a school, so every year there's a yearbook. So every year there are faculty and admin photos and kind of looking at those photos from year to year and seeing my face get rounder and fatter and then trying to like grow the big bushy beard, uh, which I did. I didn't shave once for 13 months. Uh, didn't trim, didn't shave, and I had and my my beard actually gets pretty curly, so it wasn't very long, but it was just this big, red, amorphous blob of hair. Um, and I I don't think I ever actually said to myself, "I'm growing this beard to hide my face," uh, but I do think that's what I was doing, right? Because people see that big beard, and maybe they won't see that big gut, um, and then. I had an experience and I think the like real eye-opening thing for me was a few things. One, I remember actively buying loafer shoes because it was a struggle to bend down and tie my shoes before work every morning. Um, and, and that of like, and I, and I remember it wasn't just like, oh, I think I wanna try loafers lying to myself. I remember actually saying to myself, you can't, or tying your shoes makes you too out of breath and it's too uncomfortable that to like bend down and tie shoes once you're in your ill-fitting work clothes. So you, again, so it wasn't like, so you need to lose weight or you need to change your clothes or you need to change your habits. It was like, no, you need to buy different shoes to, to make your hardships easier. Um, and, and I did. And I, and, and then I was in loafers and, and like, okay, so that great. Now this is working again. Right. So when I get out of breath walking upstairs, the answer is not, what can I do so that I don't get out of breath? The answer is, what can I do to avoid the stairs? Um, and I did that for a while. Um, and then my best friend got married. Uh, and thank God he did. Uh, because I think that experience was actually what was the kick in the ass I needed um, to actually take that honest and often uncomfortable look at myself to figure out like something's got to give. Um, and I, you know, went to the men's warehouse for the fitting. And then, uh, for those, uh, listening who have not ever had to go get fit for a wedding or an event, like, you know, you go months in advance for that initial measurement. 
Uh, and so I went for that initial measurement and he got married on September. So this is probably sometime in the spring. And then it was summer, which again, when you work in a school, is summer vacation. So what does vacation mean? Vacation means uh, indulgence and vacation means excess. So ice cream and cakes and cookies and again, no sweets and treats, but it also means uh, no grown-up pants, right? <laughs> no, no buttons and no zippers, a lot of athletic shorts, a lot of gym shorts for someone who had never stepped foot in the gym, right? A lot of basketball shorts for someone who never ran the court. Uh, and so, you know, and this had been my experience, I think, for years of like coming back to school, coming back to work in September and needing to buy more clothes, like finding reasons to return the L.L. Bean and Land's End um, with their very generous return policies for bigger sizes, right? Um, and I remember when I had to go for my final fitting for that, like, tux for my friend's wedding, being terrified um, because I knew that it wasn't going to fit, that I knew that I had gained weight and gained enough weight. Because uh, I feel like I, I've always had, like, what I kind of refer to affectionately as, as like the cushion. There's like this like 15 pound give or take window where my clothes will kind of fit the same, whether I'm 15 up or 15 down. And then anything beyond that, they either start to get uncomfortably tight or they start to look like ridiculously baggy. Um, and, and I knew that from when I had been measured the first time to when I was now going for like the final fitting before the wedding, that it was not going to be a good situation and i really didn't know what to do uh, i was in the wedding party it was my best friend um i i, I and i was i, I was t t terrified uh and i went for the fitting and sure enough like those pants were tight and that vest was super tight and they were like okay well we can swap out the vest for a bigger size and we can we can like kind of we can make it work somewhat but like you know when you come back in like two or three weeks for that last pickup for the actual wedding like you know this is what's going to be um, and still nothing changed, you know, and, and maybe I held steady for those weeks. I don't really remember, but I remember going to that wedding and just being uncomfortable. You know, I, again, I won't be so over the top to say I was miserable and it was, a it was the worst experience of my life. It wasn't, it was a great day. I was happy for my friend. Uh, you know, it was, it was fine, but I remember being hot and sweaty and itchy. And it was like a humid September day. And a lot of the pictures were outside. And I was just like, and I remember, you know, my pants pockets being packed with paper towels to, to do like the sweat mop as often as I needed. Um, and, and, but still, you know, thrilled that there was like the mac and cheese bar and thrilled <laughs> at like the Viennese table or whatever it is, like the dessert, like, like, so holding those two truths at the same time of like, being so uncomfortable and recognizing that like I am uncomfortable because my clothes don't fit. I am uncomfortable because my body feels uncomfortable and then still doing the behaviors that are, that are perpetuating that. Um, and still again, nothing changed in September turned to October and now it's, you know, Halloween and all of those things. And then what really did it were two things. One, was seeing those wedding pictures come back. Um, and so seeing those pictures get posted to Facebook and like being tagged in them and just that like, oh my God, like look at this fat guy, right? I'm not gonna, I'm, not, I'm trying not to swear. Uh, <laughs> and like just, but like that, that was was just so, 
And look, I don't, I don't think anyone cared. I don't think anyone was like, oh my God, look at this fat guy. How could he be here? How is he like, I don't, I don't really think there was any judge. I mean, look, I think society judges, judges the overweight, but I don't think anyone was like, wow, Michael really let himself go. Or I can't believe Michael's suit was fitting him so poorly. But for me seeing it, seeing like the, the, in like, there are pictures, like you can see the vest pulling at the buttons um, was just like, wow, like this, this could have been something different. Um, and so like maybe now it can be something different. Um, so that was one. And then the other big thing was I had a friend, um, from another, uh, online forum actually, who had had success on keto. Um, and I had never really heard of keto. Um, but I spent a lot, was spending some time on Reddit, uh, and had come across some like progress pick subreddits, um, and then some keto subreddits and some intermittent fasting subreddits. But at the time, this was always something that other people could do, right? This was, this was, you know, oh, wow, look at this person who lost 50 pounds, five pounds, a hundred pounds. That's cool for them. How did they do it? Oh, this is, these are the exact steps they took. Oh, wow. But that's not going to be like that. That's great for them. You know, good for thee, but not for me. It would never work for me. Um, and then my friend Allison, it, it, it worked for her. And it was just that much more of a personal connection that it wasn't just this like faceless, nameless person online somewhere in the internet, uh, in the like spider verse out there doing it, but actually someone that I have some semblance of a connection to doing this thing and God bless her taking the time without judgment and without uh, anything to just be like, to answer my questions and just to say, hey, this is this thing. This is where I like get a lot of my information from. This is how I'm doing it. If you have any, if you like no pressure, if you want to try, I'm happy to answer your questions. If you don't, I'm happy to never talk about it again. Um, and like, she was the first person who sent me to like a macro calculator online. And she was the first person who kind of gave me that mathematical, you know, nine calories for a gram of fat and four for a protein and four for a carb, which I don't even know if it's true, honestly, or how accurate that is. But like the first person I think who was saying like, here is something that could work. And I don't, you know, I, I, I think it was just like the perfect storm where I was kind of tired of my own garbage. And now I saw this opportunity. And honestly, what's one more failed attempt at losing weight, right? I've done Weight Watchers. I've done calorie in, calorie out. I've done salads. I've done cabbage soup or whatever it is. Like I've done these things. So if I do this thing called keto that I think I called keto for like the first year and a half, um, <laughs> like, uh, and it doesn't work, nothing, nothing lost, right? But if it does work, cool. Uh, and so I just literally like Sunday night said, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to try this. And I think it was November 10th, uh, 2014, I think. Um, and I just got up the next morning, didn't stop at Dunkin' Donuts on the way to work. Right. And just went to work and went to the supermarket on my lunch break and got some deli meat, um, and just started. And although I have stopped and I've taken breaks and I've kind of ebbed and flowed, really have not looked back since. Um, so now it's been kind of six years. Um, and in that time, I, I've gone from uh, just over 300 pounds, which I think was my other um, real like wake up shocking moment of seeing the three on the scale. Um, because at least for me, even, you know, 
I, I don't know. I, I'm one of those people who I, I, I think I make these like declarative statements to myself, right? Like I will never X, Y, or Z, or I will always X, Y, or Z. And I actually hate never and always as like extreme terminology, but yet I find myself doing it. So I had said like, you know, I'll never be like, I'll never be a size 40. And then I'm busting out of 46s. Um, I'm never going to be more than 275 pounds. Uh, and then I, I saw that three uh, on the scale. And for me, that was like, okay, like we have to, like you have to do something um, because you have, you have kids and you have a life that you, you say you want and you're not behaving in a way that actually makes that true. Um, and so uh, I just started and, uh, you know, since I've started in, in the six years, I've gotten as low as like 200 pounds um, and, and never have gotten back up into the threes, but have, you know, there was a time I took a couple months off and probably got back up into like the two seventies. Um, and that was also a scary moment of like, look how quickly you can lose this, right? There's no, there's no, there's no magic here. It's not like, you know, and, and even the people who have it figured out, uh, you, you still have to do the thing. And, and I remember reading something, uh, about, um, expertise, right? That like, um, even expert chess players need to look at the board, right? <laughs> even expert car drivers need to pay attention to the road. Um, so you can be an expert on weight loss or fitness and you can know everything and have those skills and have those tools, but you, you still have to do it. Um, and I think for, for me, at least, especially in the last year and change, that's kind of where I've tried to shift my mindset from of like, this is what, this is just what I need to do. You know, I don't think keto is a magic bullet. I think for me, the way I use keto, it has allowed me to do the things I want to do, right? Which is maintain a caloric deficit and have energy to, to run because running's become a big part of, of my life. Um, if there was something else, and maybe there is something else, right? Maybe veganism would get me that. I don't know. I haven't tried it. Maybe paleo would get me that. I don't know. I haven't tried it. Maybe 172 other things would get me that. I don't know. I haven't tried them. This for me is working. Uh, when it stops working, right? Con consistently. When I, you know, do the same things I've done and don't get the same results, that's when it's time, I think, to change something. Uh, either my approach, my mindset, or, or the actions, right? That, uh, you know, insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. Like, yeah, so, so something's not working. I, I don't, I don't think it's any, any one thing or the other. Um, but for the most part, this, this works for me. And, and until it doesn't, I'm a, I'm a try to ride that wave. Um, we'll see. I don't know. No, I think it makes sense, man. And, and like, which is always my favorite thing. And I'm sure right now Miles is listening to this and counting the number of times that I say that every episode, but there's, you, you come, it's not because there are, there are times where you hear people's stories and they're like, you know, I had a massive heart attack and knew I needed to change or, yeah, you know, I fell through the floor, you know, or whatever it is, you know, it's, what's just happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think for, for most people and, you know, for a lot of people listening, like it doesn't have to be, that there's one piece that falls into place that causes that chain reaction. It's more, you know, the sum, the sum of the parts coming together and finally hitting that point where you're like, what this is added up to is not where I want to be. And I think you put it in a really great way of like saying, you know, you had your family and your career and your life that you said, you say that you want, 
but your actions and your behaviors are not saying that you really want those things, you know, and having to pull that in line. I think that's a disconnect that a lot of people go through. Like we, we say, we talk a lot about what we want and we say, you know, I would do that or I could do that. You know, I could do that if I wanted to, or I could make that change if I wanted to then, but you need to make the change. Like you need, you need to actually do that work. And I think that's a great way to put it that, you know, you had to kind of bring those things into line and, you know, I think it's it's great also for people to hear that, like, you've been kind of existing in this space, not for a year, not for a year and a half, you know, for for going, you know, going on six years or so, you know, over six years, like, that's showing that, like you said, like, you found something that, that works for you. And I also, I like hammering home the point that that keto is not magic, you know, I'm the I'm the keto guy, too. And, you know, we have a lot of friends that exist in the keto space. And I think, you, you see some people that are going to put out there and say, like, keto is keto is the answer for everyone. And, you know, I, I think from a scientific standpoint, like when someone says to me, like, do you think ideally eating a ketogenic diet would be great for every person? I think in a vacuum, I would probably say yes. You know, like, but I, I think it's we're dealing with reality and we're dealing with our real world lives. And it's finding those tools that are going to help you get to that place where because we know that if you can't maintain that caloric deficit, it doesn't matter what you're eating at the end of the day. And sure, there are going to be some people that can, quote unquote, overeat on keto and still see their weight not change or still see, you know, weight loss happen. But for the most part, for the average person, you have to find the tool for you that's going to give you, you know, not just that caloric deficit. But I think the bigger picture, you know, for you, too, is this idea of using keto to build the life that you can sustain and be satisfied with, you know, you talked about early on in our discussion about the the idea of satiation, and then that, that not really being a part of, of your life, and, you know, a, a word that even would have made sense to you, you know, if we go back, if we, if we went back to teenage Michael and said, you know, there's a, there's a, there, there's a way to be full, and feel full, and feel like you've had enough, you know, feeling like food is enough, and that, I think, is, is the bigger thing that sometimes, the, the realization that can click when you when you eat this way is that you realize that you never really knew what that was like. You know, you, ne- you never knew those feelings. And I say that to my clients all the time. I'm like, what I want you to think about is not that keto's this magic pill that's peeling the weight off your body, but it's helping you actually understand what it means to feel hungry. Because for most of us, whether you're 500 pounds or 280 pounds or 300 pounds, when you have that relationship with food that has been distorted, you know, by trauma in our past and, you know, by that need for comfort and we start to associate those things, you know, food in a different way than just hunger. Um, f- realizing that you can actually experience what hunger and full and all of those things actually mean can be eye-opening and can be really, and changes your perspective. And I, you know, I, I don't want to rewind too far, but like when you were talking, you, you gave that example of like going out to eat with friends and getting wings and that mental game of who gets how many wings. And I, the thing that immediately popped up for me was thinking about years past where when it was time to order pizza with a group of friends. And in my immediate thought is how many pieces of pizza do I want and how many, do, how many pizzas do we need to get to, for everyone to get the same number of pieces of pizza and if we just order one pizza, so that's three pizzas per person, and or actually most pizzas are cut into eight. So when three people are having pizza, which is often the circumstance I'm in, I'm like, okay, so two people get three and one person gets two. Am I going to be the person that gets two? Do I get screwed? You know, or 
or that or having that moment, you know, having people not understand what it means to be sitting there with the last piece of pizza in the box. And your only thought is, how do I finagle to get that last piece of pizza? Not am I having fun sitting here with people? You know, am I enjoying this time together? And we got food because people were hungry. It was, okay, how do I make sure I get enough of that pizza for me to feel good? And yes. And f- yeah. And for me often, how do I do that without being noticed? Right. Right. Like how do I, <laughs> cause I'm keeping track of how much everyone else is eating. Oh yeah. So they must be keeping, they must be keeping track for me. And are they going to real, Oh, Michael, that's your X slice of pizza. Um, and then, so how do I do that in a, in a way that, that it won't be seen or do I, you know, casually walk off and, and eat it in the bathroom, which I've done or eat, you know, or like pre eating and post eating and all of those things too. No, it, it's such a weird, it's such a weird dynamic. And it, what it goes, one of the things that I think it really goes back to is this idea that we would probably say, you know, surface answer. If someone said, you know, when you, especially, you know, when I was heavier, you know, how much time do you spend thinking about food? you know, and, and what it means to be big. And I would say not, none. But when you do the examination, it's like you're, like you're saying, like you're there at the, at the party with the, the six people counting how many slices of pizza each of those people are having. So how much pizza am I going to have left? And then the mental gymnastics of clothing. Like I, you, when you talked about cutting the labels off jeans, I immediately thought, well, I took a knife and scraped the number off because – I tried to cut the patch off and notice if the jeans color was different and was like, oh, everyone's going to notice that and they're going to know. But if I kind of scrape it a little bit, they'll either just think that maybe that happened in the wash or it got rubbed mm-hmm. against something, mm-hmm. you know, like those. No, I wish I had that tip. Yeah. Those, those <laughs> mental gymnastics take up so much space in our, excuse me, so much space in our heads. Like, is this going to fit? Am I going to fit there? Like all of that. And then when you finally have all, because I, I, I look at when people see, people making these changes in their lives. And now they're like, you know, I read four books a month and I do this now and I do that now. And it's people are like, and then people who are just getting started are like, how do you have the time to go to the gym and to read a book and to do this? And it's like, we all have that time. It's just, you don't realize how much of that time you're using to either sustain that life that you've been living and to keep playing those games, you know, use all of that mental space. So it's, I think it's good for people to hear that you can, have that side of it transform in some ways as well. And that's not to say, like, I know, and I'm sure you would agree with this, like, there are times where even, you know, existing within our keto space, we spend a lot of time obsessing about macros and what goes into things and all of that. Like, it's almost like you transfer some of that energy. And I think to some extent, you need to because you have to shift it from an obsession that was was leading you to an unhealthy place to an obsession that's taking you to the place that you want to get to, to lead the life that you want to live. Yeah. And look, I mean, I think, look, I, I do think orthorexia is like a real thing, right? So I think, I think, I think an unhealthy preoccupation with health is potentially unhealthy, but I think, whereas in the past, maybe I obsessed about food in an unhealthy way. Now I could be, you use the word upset. You're constantly thinking about food, you're calculating macros, you're planning, but it is, and this is semantic and people are going to call bullshit on this. And I know that, but I, you can be thoughtful, right? Or think in a different way or think in a meaningful way, in a way that makes sense. So like there are times sometimes where I will, and I I mostly do an OMAD, one meal a day thing, um, because that is what I've just naturally found myself transitioning into, right? The longer I've been eating a ketogenic diet, the fuller I feel for longer as a, as a, um, 
as still someone who identifies as a lazy person, uh, it's less meal planning, it's less dishes and all those things, right? So I, I, I will sometimes plan my meals weeks in advance. Um, and sometimes that feels really unhealthy to me, right? Where I'll be sitting on the couch, like today, January 1st, right? And I now actually, I only have my meals planned through next week. Um, but there will be times where I'll have meals planned out weeks in advance, even a whole month in advance. And I'll sometimes stop and I'll be like, Michael, that is, that is messed up. Like you should not be thinking about your February 1st meal before the new year, right? That's not healthy. Um, and maybe it's not, or maybe I know that if I just spend a few minutes thinking about what I might want to eat or what I'm planning to do, that does give me like a, a weird security that this could maybe help me stay on, on track. Right. And I think, I think in general, and, and look, I know there are people listening to this who are going to maybe agree, I hope. And there are going to be people listening to this who are going to say I'm full of it. But I do think if you are doing something that doesn't hurt anyone, right. And that includes yourself that ultimately makes it easier for you to accomplish the goals that you want to do, I, th I think that's a good thing, right? Uh, as, a, as a second gig, I teach some college courses in psychology. Uh, and this past semester, I, it was it's obviously all on Zoom um, and everything's uh, digital, which is new for me. And I had a student actually, and I, the only reason I remember why it's mad digital is because they, they took themselves off mute uh, to like interrupt me. And they said, do, you know, do you think it's wrong? Or I don't remember how they phrased it. Do you think it's wrong or is it a problem if... And I can't even remember what the question was, but I do remember saying, well, let's pause and say, you know, who is it hurting? Does it get in the way of them living their life? Does it get in the way of them achieving their goals? Is it involving consenting adults? All of these kind of like, you know, boilerplate questions. And if the answer to those questions are like, no, it doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't get in the way of them living their lives. They, they have, you know, they're not using money for it. They are supposed to go to their bills or their housing or they're like... If all of those questions are yes and no, and it's actually like fine, then then no, it's not a problem. You know, like like is it a problem for an adult to be to be so obsessed with uh, Disney? Is it a problem? That's what it was. What was it? It was a question about something we were talking about Freud of all things, right? We were talking about his psychosexual development, and so we got onto this topic of like. Uh, I think it was uh, adults who wear diapers, right? <laughs> uh, and so the students said, like, is this, is that like, you basically like, is this like a messed up thing? And, and, and my answer was like, well, again, uh, who, who does it serve and who does it hurt? And what is the point and what is the motivation and what is the goal? And I think the answers to those questions tell you if it's a problem or not. Right. And that's a very extreme example, obviously, but I do think that that's true, at least for me with my health and fitness and wellness too. Right. Because I definitely still have some of those like obsessive qualities. Uh, this past year, I, I ran every day for 157 straight days at some point. I, I don't know if that's if, how healthy that is, to be quite honest. I probably should have taken some days off at some point. But or and we were in the middle of a pandemic uh, and it was the only thing that I had found that helped me effectively deal with the anxiety and existential freakouts that I was having uh, related to living in the in in the time of Corona, right? And this idea that like was it super healthy? 
maybe maybe was it too much maybe it was but did it beat the alternative i think it did for me right because i think the alternative was not would not have been a good thing so i i chose to run and i ran a lot uh, maybe i ran too much okay who did it hurt no one <laughs> maybe it hurt me right some some poor muscles and I'm dealing with a hamstring injury right now but like uh, great okay and if that's not what you would do stranger great i'm not i'm not telling you to and you know I, I think this comes up a lot in the like instagram keto internet space too of like tell me everything i need to do for this to be successful um without necessarily de defining what it is or what success is um and my answer and i sometimes get flack for this of like being an asshole and i'm not i'm not trying to be but like i can't tell you what you need to do i can tell you what i have done i could tell you what has worked for me or what has sometimes worked for me um you know so it's like how long do i need to fast and i'll say i don't know that you do need to fast <laughs> and they'll say well like you fast and i'll say yeah i fast it doesn't mean that, that you need to write the same thing with coaching. I think coaching is awesome for people who need it, for people who benefit from it, for people who value it. If someone doesn't need it or want it, like there, there's a lot of paths to success and success looks different. Again, you know, keto, fasting, OMAD, this, that, the other thing, like great, do it. Stop the gatekeeping stop the judgment and and just kind of go with it or someone's like i can only fast for 12 hours is that okay well like sure like the only way it's not okay is if someone has a gun to your head and says you need to fast for 13. if you're if if, if and if you want to be fasting more and you're unsatisfied with that then yeah it's not okay and maybe then let's talk about how do we get from 12 to 12 and a half and from 12 and a half to 13 right this is like i think it's all arbitrary right like it's all it's all kind of made up and it's all about what do you like someone i, I recently just posted my my december goals and then all of my goals for 2020 the ones i hit and the ones i didn't and someone wrote like oh wow like you crushed this year and of course it's my first instinct to be like, no, like, and just downplay and negate. And I said, well, you know, I was very successful with my goals. Uh, I think I hit like uh, 63 out of the 67 goals I set each from like month to month, which is great. But I also did purposefully try and set goals that I thought I would have a chance of reaching, right? And I do think that matters. I think being realistic with it and being practical and there were definitely months where i knew going in i said to myself like mike you're just <laughs> you are you're looking for an easy month right you are setting <laughs> you are setting the bar too low or so low because you need some wins and that's okay because i needed those wins and then the next month i was able to up the stakes a little bit i think i think the the secret right because keto is not a secret keto is not magic i think the magic is honesty I, I do. I think the magic is authenticity. Are you being real with yourself about what you want slash need and the tools that you're willing to try and, and get there? And if the answer is yes, then even if you're not seeing the tangible changes, right? Even if your clothes don't fit differently, even if your weight doesn't change, but if you are actively working on those things, then you are being successful, right? You can, you can eat uh, everything on plan 
and still potentially not lose weight. And that's not a failure. There's that quote. I don't know if it started there or not, but I think it was on Star Trek, the next generation of all places uh, where Picard says something like you can, you can make no mistakes and still lose that. That's not failure. That's life. And I think I've bastardized it a little bit, but that's like, that's, that's the premise of like, it, it can't be all or none for me, right? It can't be zero sum. It, it can be shades of gray. It can be progress, not perfection. It can be, you know, uh, even for myself this year, right? I had a weight loss goal for 2020 that I did not hit. Uh, and I was really down on myself. And I noticed that my weight on January 1st was kind of what it was on June 1st. Uh, and at first I was really annoyed. I was like, I, I quote, it was the first thing I thought I wasted six months, right? Cause my June 1st weight was comparable to my January one date weight. Uh, and, and I wasted six months. And then thankfully, and with so much appreciation immediately, my second thought was, dude, shut the hell up. <laughs> like, where, where's the race and who's keeping score and look at all the things you did do from June and to July. And look at though, even though you gained weight in July and August, cause I did, you were, cause I do in the summers often look at what your September, October, November, like, look at what you were like, widen your focus a little bit. And, and that like, it just kind of changed the, I don't know, I don't, I'm rambling, but like, don't, 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 the world is unkind enough, right? And I'm not an advocate of like self-love or like any of that stuff. Like I, I do believe that most everything positive in my life came from a place of negativity at first. But I, I do think we have to just be honest, like cut the, cut the crap and really look at it. Yes. Okay, Michael, hey, you know, your, your weight is the same on J January 1 that it was on June 1. Okay, cool. It didn't go up. <laughs> cool. You ran hundreds of miles. Cool. You spent time with your family. Cool. You connected with friends. Cool. You made some new dishes. Cool. You did all these other things that aren't a number on a scale. So find your worth somewhere else, right? Or find your worth, not only somewhere else, but not somewhere else, but find your worth in multiple places, oh, I for, think. Uh, for sure. And I think you... The, the problem is uh, there's it's that idea of the comparison trap. Yeah. You know, and it's oh. this idea that we, you know, and I, I think about when, because not just like DMs on Instagram, but, you know, clients all the time ask me questions. Like even last night, one of my, one of my clients or the day before was like, do you think I should? And whatever it was he was talking about, you know, my response to that question is always, well, what do you think? You know, and usually then that person has an answer and they're, they're asking that because they want permission. You know, and they're, they, they want some external validation of that. But I, I think it goes deeper into like what you're saying, like doing that level of self-assessment is the thing that a lot that most people don't want to do when they approach a journey, you know, when, it, especially when they're dealing with weight loss and their health, they want someone else just to give them the answer and give them the steps and they'll do the exact same cookie cutter thing that someone else did. Like I, I love, like I, I get the question, you know, a lot, like, so when you were, you know, when you were losing most of your weight, what did you eat every day? You know, mm -hmm. exactly what did you eat or how food? Much, uh, yeah. And but or even when I get it, I'll get a, I'll get a, a, a DM from, you know, for example, you know, from, say, a woman who's 250 pounds, you know, and 20 years younger than me. And she wants to know exactly what I ate, you know, and it, it's come from men who are significantly heavier or lighter, whatever, you know, gender, all of that doesn't matter. But someone who's not me asks the question about what were my macros? You know, what are your macros? What were your macros? Like, that's a big question in the keto space all the time. And my answer is always, I'm not going to tell you because my macros have zero to do with you. 
My answers have zero to do with you. What I did, you know, you can learn from other people's experiences. You know, like I had a great discussion with someone the other day who's frustrated because they can't, they're not physically in a place where they can go to the gym and even get on a treadmill and have the treadmill move. And, you know, so they, they don't fit into the machines at the gym, all of that, you know, and then they're like, so what did you do when you were 500 pounds? And I said, I walked for five minutes. I, and I literally would go walk down to my front stairs and I'd walk across the street to a telephone pole and I'd walk back and that was my exercise. And from that example, they take the lesson to do what you can do where you're at, you know, and find things that you can do. But for the, for the love of God, do something. But at the end of the day, exactly what I did isn't going to get someone else exactly where they need to be. You know, it really has to be about finding what works for you. Or, you know, I'm sure you get this too when people will send you DMs and say, you know, I tried keto and, I, and it didn't work for me, but I'm doing this and it works. Is that okay? Because they want, they feel like, you know, I'm going to come back and say, well, no, you should be keto. And I'm like, well, if what you're doing is working for you, keep doing yeah. what you're doing. You know, exactly right. If, exactly and if you're right. not, and that whole idea also, I, I think like you, we also have people a lot of times are going to say, you know, am I too obsessed with this? Am I too obsessed with that? And I, I think you're right. There's a real difference between mindfulness and obsession, because I think obsession is when you start to get into that place of it's actually not adding, you know, you're not hitting all of your buttons because like one, you can be obsessed and see the scale moving but also then have your personal life falling apart and have your health falling apart because you're not paying attention to what the other factors to, in your health besides your weight, like all of those things. But if you're in a place where your personal, your professional, your health goals are all moving in the direction you want them to go and what you're doing is moving you there, be okay with that. You know, you don't, ha you don't have to race against someone else. You don't even have to race against yourself. Like you said, like, do that assessment and sit down. Like I think a lot of people right now are probably sitting down and thinking 2020 was a really awful year for themselves. You know, like 2020 was bad because for a lot of people in a lot of ways, 2020 was bad. And, you know, I, I don't invalidate that at all. I, I say it myself a lot. You know, like a, there were a lot of things that happened over 2020 that I wish could have gone differently. But you do have to, you know, take that assessment of where are you at today and are you where you were you know, five years ago, or you where you were 10 years ago, you know, what are the actual things that you did? What are the actual changes that you've made? And maybe they didn't move the scale in the direction you wanted it to go, or maybe they didn't move the clothing size in the direction you wanted to go, or your, your fitness goals, or whatever it was, be okay with having to do some replanning and some, make some changes. Like, I think that's the other thing is like, we're, we're too, we, we love to put blame externally from ourselves oh, oh, yeah. to, to things not working. So if someone attempts a ketogenic diet and whether they do it as like a well-formulated, you know, tight tracking diet, or they do it just as they eat foods off a ketogenic list and they want to see the results they want to get with no tracking or whatever, and they don't get the results they want, they just give, they give up entirely on the project instead of saying, okay, maybe this, this way didn't work for me. And I went through that. Like I, I, when I first started keto, I was kind of barely tracking carbs, but I was just eating what I knew were the foods that were higher in fat and higher in protein and lower in carbs. And I went from 480 to 290 doing that. You know, never, never, never entered anything into an app, never did any of that. And then it stopped working. And most times in my past, that's when I would have given up. But instead, that's when I said, let me see if there, is there another way? Is there something else I can try? Is there a tweak I can do? Is there a change I can make to keep me moving forward? And I, I think you have to have that willingness to continue to fight 
even when the tool you're using stops working and you find another tool. You know, like that's the thing, that's the missing piece I think is often there for a lot of people. Like the idea that it's easier to say the diet didn't work instead of saying that tool didn't work for me. Let me find another one. Well, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been, I know this is all audio. I've been nodding along to everything you've just been saying. And I think, I think there is something true to that, right? Like, you know, you look at a lot of uh, addiction recovery programs and it's about working the steps, right? It's not about the steps. It's about you doing the work for those steps. Um, or even like, and again, we'll take from like my career there, how many people say therapy doesn't work for me or therapy didn't work for me. And it's okay, well, let's pause. Did therapy not work for you? Or were you not in a place to fully engage? Or was the therapist not the right theoretical approach for you? Or like, were there X number of other factors that prevented this from being the most successful thing that it can be? You know, because um, like to your point, I think people say, well, I could never run. And I say, well, who's telling you you have to? You know, you, you, like, why do you think you need to? Uh, and my running has like very, like zero to do with weight loss like at all. Um, it, it's much more mental, much more cardiovascular, much more just because I found something that lets me turn my brain off for a half hour that started as a coping mechanism for my father's death and then just snowballed from there. Like, it, don't let it, like, don't let it be something it's not, um, you know, like, oh, wow, you set so many goals. You know, why do you do that? And well, for me, I set goals every month because that is what keeps me honest. And that is what, that's what keeps me working in the ways that I need to do and allows for that reevaluation and self-reflection because that's the only way it's going to do it. Like you said, the willingness to say, okay, what needs to change? And then the, the comfort with the discomfort that maybe that thing is yourself, right? Or, or, the way, or the way you're doing that. And I think, I mean, that's, you know, someone said to me recently, like, how do you, how do you run so much? And I felt like such a jerk. And I said, one step at a time. And, and they said, I said, well, no, but, but it's true. Right. Well, it's that's like, that's, that's like the question we get. Like, how, how do I get started? Yeah. You start. You, you do. You say today I'm going to start or right now I'm going to start or tomorrow or Monday or, or whenever, right? One meal, one bite, one, what, one, whatever. You're not going to do anything. You can't start from the, from the, from the finish line. You can't, st- if, if there even is a finish line, but you can't, you have to start at the beginning. So choose your beginning and then, and then go and, and, and seek support when you need it and ask questions when you have them and be willing to adjust as necessary. I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, and look, maybe I, maybe I sound like a total jerk right now because I am six years in. And so I'm talking with six years guidance and I'm talking with 90 pounds lost guidance. And I'm not, I'm not that first unaware, scared person, right? I am still scared about a lot of things related to my health, but it's definitely a very different, uh, I'm in a different place and I I recognize that. But I guess I also, if I want to convey anything is like, there's not, there's not one way. And so you can ask questions for clarity, but like you were saying, like, it's not your macros don't matter. What probably matters is an understanding of what macros are and how macros can help. It's like that process, not product, right? You know, it's like someone say, oh, I've been doing this and it's not working. I'll say, okay, well, cool. So then what has to change, right? Or like I've been eating at a, at a deficit and, and, it, and I'm not losing weight. And I'll say, oh, well, how do you know you're at a deficit? 
and they'll say like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, okay, right. So <laughs> are you actually eating at a deficit? Are you have, did you figure out what your, how did you determine what your calories or macros are supposed to be? And then how do you track them? And are you weighing and things like that? Like these are little things that you could maybe start if you want to. Like I understand not wanting to be a slave to the kitchen scale. I do. I felt funny. I spent four weeks this this summer at, uh, out of state for a bit, or in state, but out of town. Uh, and I I felt silly packing my kitchen scale, but I did because I knew for me it's a tool that I use to help keep me on board, to help keep me on track, to help keep me accountable. And there were plenty of off plan days in those four weeks. There are many beers drank. There were many rolls consumed. There were many non keto days. But I was glad the scale was there. The, the kitchen scale was there, right? Because for me, it is it is the safety net that helps me stay afloat. Uh, so, so of course, I'm going to use that. And I think I think for, for a lot of people, it is the patience to find those tools that work for you, right? If it's yoga and meditation, awesome. If it's coaching, fantastic. If it's macro tracking, great. If it's a, excuse me, a specific way of eating or a specific type of exercise, fantastic, right? Um, and, and I think it's just that willingness, like, like you were saying to look and to actually think like, what, what is working and what isn't, do I have the tools to change? What isn't, do I have the determination to keep going with what is working? And then do I have the, uh, the resources available to me if those things need to change? Um, and so I think, I think if, as long as we can be, um, honest with with ourselves more than anyone else i think we have a better chance at success no i i think you're right and i think it's that honesty that gets you through the different the different phases of of a journey and the different places you get to and realizing that there are times where you're going to need that kitchen scale and there are going to times where you don't need it and there are going to be times where it's okay to it's okay to feel like you need to go back to something because you need that structure you need that help and it doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. You know, like that's the, the question I think people ask too is like, do I have to track every gram of food I eat for the rest of my life? And <coughs> excuse me, the answer I give is you may find that you don't need to, or you might find that you do need to, to keep yourself where you want to be. And you have to realize that it ends up about being okay with using what you need and using what you need to be you know, in that place, it's like, one, you know, there's a, I have a, a friend who she does a lot of work with, with people dealing with food addiction. And one of the things, you know, she talks about a lot about is the idea of, you know, abstainers and, and moderators. Yeah. And there's, you know, most abstainers want to be moderators. Yes, and, I think that's probably true. And for some people, that ends up being possible. And for some people, it doesn't. And it doesn't mean that you're good, you're bad, that one is better than the other, one is worse. It's the idea of realizing that to be where to live the life you want to lead, to to reach the goals you want to reach, there might be times where you have to use tools that sometimes are going to be things that you're not always like, oh, well, no one else at this dinner is really counting out the number of green beans they're eating. You know, no one else is doing this. But I look back, you know, go back to that pizza example. You know, my friends weren't counting the number of pizza slices. You know, I was. And so there may be things that I need to do to help me with that because of those things that happened to me and because of those things that I went through. And I have to be okay with it. Like I have to just say, this is what it is. And this is what I need right now. 
and you know know that know that the future isn't written yet and what you do in the future you know there's ways to try things and properly try things like that that idea of moving into that maintenance place and realizing that maintenance doesn't mean giving up everything you've been doing it means finding ways to build the life that you want to be able to maintain and sustain and there's going to be different pieces that come into play there but it doesn't mean just throwing everything away and yeah it's no go ahead no, I was going to say, it's not necessarily changing habits. It's fine-tuning them. Right. Exactly. Right? It's, 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 it's adjusting. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, think you're, I think you're spot on. Definitely, definitely. So w- we've talked through a lot, and, and I appreciate your, your willingness to kind of be open with not just what you went through, but your perspective on a lot of these issues, man. I do want to ask you, though, so this is my first podcast of 2021. Uh, do you, did you bring a list of, of your 10 goals for 2021? <laughs> yeah. So I, I did, I did, I did not get 10. Oh. But I do, I do have some lists. I, I did it throughout as I was, I was talking to um, Eli this morning and I said, you know, uh, I'm so I've, I have a list of uninspired goals for 2021. I said, but you know, looking back on 2020, which I do think was a successful year for me from a goal standpoint, I remember saying, you know, New Year's week of 2020, that it was an un, uninspired list of goals too. So maybe I just need to F my feelings right now because like how I feel about it doesn't matter. But no, I set, I set a weight loss goal for myself. Uh, I set a mileage goal for myself. Uh, I set, um, and then I set like some other things. So I set like, I, I want to, so I had been going to the gym pre-pandemic. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a small gym in my apartment building but that has been closed since mid-March. And so as a result, I have not been doing like any weightlifting, body weight exercises, nothing. And so one of the goals for myself for this year was like, let's get back to that. If it means needing to buy some dumbbells on Amazon or resistance band, like cool, if the gym opens even better, but like, we're, we're not just going to say I can't because of the pandemic. So I have some of those goals. And then I have like some, some, again, interesting, I think of them as like tangent goals. So I set a goal, I set, I set a stretching goal for myself. I do a lot of running. I am getting older. I don't stretch. Uh, here's another great word. I don't stretch enough, right? I don't stretch as much as I should. Um, but in, in in 2020, I had set some stretching goals like from a month to month standpoint. And I remembered feeling so much better. So I said, oh, cool. I want, so like one of my year long goals is improve my stretching, right? Or increase my stretching. I don't remember exactly how I framed it. Now, and this is maybe a good little, like a lesson on goals from this lesson that I take improve doesn't mean anything, right? Increase doesn't mean anything because if I, if I stretch 10 times and 11 is actually increasing, but is that really what I meant? So my year long goal is increase or improve my stretching. But what I know for myself is month to month, January through December, I'm going to need to set some monthly goals that specifically focus on stretching. Because that's what helps me keep sight of that annual focus, right? Um, and that's it. I mean, I have other goals like professionally and personally that that I'm not really going to get into. But I think I have my, my weight loss goal. I have my, my mileage goal. Uh, I have like some more specific running goals that I want to achieve. Um, and then just some like function and flexibility stuff. I need, I need to stretch more. Uh, I know that. I, sh- I should probably be doing some body weight push-up kind of sit up or whatever planks what's a plank i don't know how to spell plank uh but there's some other there's some other stuff that i probably could there's a good word i could be doing um so i'm I'm gonna try i'm gonna see i'm gonna see how it goes and i know myself enough to hopefully check in right on some of those year goals around march or april i should probably be taking stock and saying hey how are we doing here 
what needs to change or, or what doesn't? Are, are the things you thought you wanted, do you still want them? Are the ways you're trying to get them working for you or not? And then do you have the people that you can talk to <laughs> when you need to get yourself back on track? And I'm very fortunate. I feel very lucky and blessed uh, and thankful that I do. I do have a lot of people in my in my network um, that I can lean on and commiserate with and, and question and challenge. And that'll also call me on my crap and say, you know, you, you said this already. Uh, you're kind of full of it. So, so, you know, do you actually want this or not? Show me, don't tell me. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's like my big one for, for 2021, I think is, is like to myself more than anyone else. Show me, don't tell me, uh, you say you want this. So let's, let's do it. Let's get it. I like it. I do have a question about a specific goal that I have to know if you've thought about for 2021 though. Yes, sir. Is 2021 going to be the year that you finally make a skillet pizza? A skillet pizza. You know what? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go on record. I'm going to go on record and say it will be. And in fact, I'll say in the first half of the year, let's say the first six months of the year, there will be a skillet pizza. So I'm going to I'm gonna be checking in on that. And I'm going to yeah, be please do. You know I'm going to be watching for it because literally yeah. anytime that you do make a pizza of any kind, um, I do bring that up. So It's true. It, that, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't get there for pizza week. Uh, it didn't, I know, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. 2021, skillet pizza. Watch well, out. Well, that, that raises another question. Will there be more themed weeks this year? I don't think so. Um, I had thought about it. I had set a goal, uh, for those that aren't aware in 2020, I set a goal to do six theme weeks of like, you know, wings week with a different flavored wing every week or salad week or things like that. I did a carnivore week in January for a world carnivore uh, month. Um, and I wound up doing 12 themes, sometimes two, not one a month, but I did 12 themes. I just don't, I, I don't think I'm gonna do it this year. Um, I thought about doing like a couple two week themes. I, I'm really carnivore. I, I enjoyed until I did it. Now I've, I only did it for like a week. Um, but like, I loved the day one, day two, day, day five. I was like, I need, I want lettuce. Like, mm -hmm. I, <laughs> Oh yeah. No, I, and like, that I don't, well. again, I don't think, I don't think I need lettuce. Right. But I, I wanted it. Mm -hmm. I wanted Brussels sprouts. I wanted some Franken foods like, you know, so, um, but I, I kind of have constantly been going back and forth with this idea of like a vegetarian or vegan keto, if for no other reason, then I think it would it would force me to think outside the box, right? Because I can't just fall back on, oh, well, when all else fails, ground beef and eggs, right? <laughs> Which is so often where I go because it's delicious and I love it. Um, but I just don't, I don't know. I, I didn't want to put it on the list of goals because I'm not, I'm not fully committed, right? And I'm not fully confident to it, but it is something I want to, Every so often at the supermarket, I'll like I'll go to like that section in the refrigerator, whatever section, and start looking at nutrition facts and kind of doing some mental math of like, oh, I could I could maybe make this work for a meal or two or a day or two, and so I'm kind of toying with that. But the short answer, sorry to your question, is no, no, no plan theme weeks uh, for this year. Well, there we go. And Michael, if if anyone out there does want to see what does come for you in 2021 and follow along, uh, where do they find you, man? Oh, uh, Instagram, really. Uh, uh, so at fat dad keto with underscores. So fat underscore dad underscore keto uh, is, is my uh, username. And that's the only real social media presence I have for this stuff. Um, and, and I'm there. I'm probably there uh, too, too often, right? Again, there's those, those weighted shoulds and should not. But I spend a lot of time on my phone. Uh, I, I, like, I like to think I am generally responsive. So yeah, if, if you want to come and follow along or shoot a question or just say, hey, uh, more than happy to make those those digital connections. Um, so that that's where I'll be. Awesome. 
And so, Michael, I end every episode with five questions I ask every guest. I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for those five questions? Let's go. Okay. So, question number one: Living or dead, Michael? Tell us who is your favorite fat guy. Ah, uh, I think it's got to be John Candy. Oh, no, you know what? Though I say that, and then as soon as I say John Candy, I think Chris Farley. Ah. Uh. I th- okay, I think the right answer is John Candy. I think my answer is Chris Farley. <laughs> I like that. I actually, I actually, I like that as a response because John yes. Candy, I think, is the right answer. But mm-hmm. I understand that not everyone is ep- is as epically old as I am, so they right. don't have well, that right. exposure. Was, you, know, you know, again, I was born, I was born in '82, and so like that Tommy Boy like era SNL era Chris Farley that was my wheelhouse right. at, at, for that age that I was but I I recognize the answer is John Candy I think for me it is in fact Chris Farley there we go question number two Michael what is one lesson being a fat guy has taught you uh humility uh in in all in all senses of the word I like it I, I yeah just the the humiliation aspect but then also the ability to be to stay strive and be kept humble there we go. Question number three. So, Michael, maybe there is someone out there today who wants to start. What do you think is one thing that a person can do today to get their journey towards better health started? Um, uh, plan. I think, and I don't mean plan like have a whole workout regimen and map out months of meals. I mean, think about you know, so I, that I want to, I want to start my health, right? I want to improve my health. What does that mean? Where am I now? Where do I maybe want to be? And what's one thing that'll help me move one place closer from where I am to, to where I want to be? I think that makes sense. And, and I, I, I also want to kind of, at this point, kind of tangent back to what you said about the idea of better and improve and those words, when we set goals and use those words and those goals, we can't really actually measure accurate results. So right. taking that and breaking it down into some of those measurable steps, I think is really important. So I like that. Yeah. And question number four, man, what is, I, I feel like this is going to be a, a, the question that I've been waiting to ask you. And cause I feel like there, I feel like on some levels we relate in that self deprecating place and don't also take positivity about ourselves that well. Uh, Michael, what is one thing about yourself that you love? Uh, um, <laughs> Oh gosh, God! Uh, how can I only choose one? Uh, no, uh, I I think. Oh God, this is a hard question. Um, it's a really hard question. I I think um, I don't know if there is a single word, but there there's like I don't know if it's feeling. I don't know if it's emotion. If it's intensity, or, but it's also apathy. Like. There is some, I guess, I guess it's, I guess it is like an, an emotional thing. If, if I'm not going to pin it down into one word, maybe one area, there are things that I care an awful lot about. And I, I love that I care about them. They, they fill my cup. They give me strength. They make me feel supported and valued and valid. Um, there are other things that I'm completely apathetic about, which I love because like, I don't care and don't need to, and they don't matter and how wonderful to recognize that. Um, there is a stubbornness that I have about things that I think is is great because I think it is self-serving in some ways. Um, so yeah, I think I think just um, being emotionally, I don't want to say emotionally intelligent because I don't think I'm intelligent, but be, being like emotionally present, uh, I think is one thing that I, I try to be and I really like about myself. 
There we go. And your last question today, man. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Um, I think I have a few, but I, th- I think one is um, to be less judgmental. Um, uh, and I say that because I think there is the voice we use for others and the voice we use for ourselves. Um, and so I can, I can preach and I could teach and I could talk a lot about, you know, everybody's different and everyone's path is different and we don't know what people are carrying around and we, and, and all of that is true. And I believe all of that. And yet I find myself so often getting frustrated with things I see or either in myself, within myself or of, of others. And I think needing, you know, for someone who spends so much time on social media, uh, the, the reminder to myself that like, just like I only present one part of one piece of myself, that's, that's probably true for everyone else too. Um, and so being mindful that like, you don't know the whole story. So shut the hell up. Uh, I think is, is one goal. Like I need to shut the hell up more in 2021. <laughs> Well, then, then I'm glad I got you on the podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before yeah. you were like, well, I can't come on. I'm, I I need to shut yeah. up. I'm taking a vow of silence. Yeah. I like it. I like it, man. Well, Michael, I just really want to say thank you for coming on the show today, sharing your experiences and your perspective with the audience of the Fat Guy Forum. And I also just want to say uh, I appreciate you a lot and the, the connection that we've been able to build through that little thing we call Instagram. So just a big thank you uh, from yeah. my side, man, for coming on today. No, thank you, Gorman. This has been this has been great. Uh, I, I've, I've, despite you know, I know. I think I first at first said like, well, who wants to hear anything that I have to say? This is actually something I've wanted to do for a while. Um, so I'm glad to have this opportunity, not only to to hopefully reach some people out there who who are wondering what the hell is going on, but also just to to chat. I love chatting with you, um, and so the ability to do that today has has been has been a blessing. So thank you. Well, you're very welcome, man. And as I said, everyone, Michael's contact information on Instagram will be in the show notes today. Of course, as we're closing the show, there has to be a giant plane flying overhead, so that that noise will be in the background. (laughs) That'll be great for people. I I tend to have planes and dogs and all kinds of things happening during these recordings, so it's a lot of fun. So (laughs) thank you all, everyone. If you are interested in finding me, you can find me on Instagram at GourmetGoesKeto. You can find me on Twitter at GourmetGoesKeto as well. If you are interested in coaching, uh, one-on-one coaching from a holistic ketogenic nutrition approach, uh, now is a great time to go to theketoroad.com slash coach dash Mike. We have just kind of revamped our services. So now if you're looking for a more intensive coaching program or you just really want support on, on the weight loss side of things, or if you're just looking for a consultation to check in on where you're at and you just like want a one-time call, we, we've added a whole new amount of services and levels and all of that there. So you can go check that out. That link will be down in the show notes as well, my friends. And hey, everybody, remember... 2021 is just getting started, but every day is going to matter, you know, no matter what year it is. So go out there, do something today that is amazing because you are the most amazing people that I know. And then come on back and catch us again here on the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.